everybody. It's Chris McLean. This is Hater Radio. Ian, my good, my good sir, my good friend. Welcome back, man. How are you? Been doing good. Excited for officially week one of college football here. Yes, sir. The season is upon us, everybody. You know, this is Hater Radio, a college football podcast dedicated to the best sport in the world. Um, I'm going to do briefly the socials and where you can reach us at. Uh, the Twitter handle is at hater underscore radio. And it's the same for the Instagram hater radio one at gmail.com for the email. And first and foremost, our website, which is haterradio.com. That's all it is, is haterradio.com. You can reach us there. The podcast is there. All of our articles, Ian just wrote the Florida Gators season preview. Um, I wrote a couple. I wrote the USC season preview. I wrote the UCLA season preview last week. And then also this week, I included the USF season preview. So all those are available for you. We went through, we researched these teams. We figured out who were the better players, who's to look out for, what what to look for, what to expect. Um each one of them, we gave our prediction on how we think the team will do. Um, regardless, check those out on haterradio.com. You can find those available under the college football link, I believe. And then uh, the uh, podcast hopefully will be on the homepage. So you don't have to go searching for it. It'll be right there. So if you're looking for the podcast, which you'll hear it obviously now, if you're listening to this, but going forward, it'll be there as well. But we will, as of this year, finally, because of distribution, we are on Spotify. We're on Apple podcasts. We're on Google podcasts. We're on Stitcher. We're on literally every possible thing that I could think of. I am I was able to get the show onto and it was all because of Pinecast and it's a great uh, company and it's a very affordable. Um, if you're looking to do a podcast, I, I advise to, to get on that as soon as you can, but yes, you can find us there. There's the RSS feed that if you click onto it, subscribe to it, it'll, uh, uh, be give you the latest episode uh it'll give you like updates through an email and so it's a it's a great way to to find the podcast there but let's get into it uh there were no well there were there was games last week i only want to briefly talk about it because it was week zero but the two games that i wanted to talk about the ucla game ucla against um uh hawaii it was a blowout and i you know i'm i'm very high on ucla this year i think they're going to finish like eight and four ish. Um, I think they're going to do well. Uh, you know, they were taking it to him. The rushing attack was there. Um, I'm trying to remember the running back's name, uh, but he was killing it. I think starts with a C he had like, I think over a hundred yards rushing and just uh, had a shirt. Uh, oh, um, church bonnet. I think it was his something name. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And he, dude, he was killing it. And, but it might have been also because Hawaii kind of sucks defensively. Um, but regardless, you know, you've got to beat those bad teams and you got to beat them convincingly. You don't want to give them a chance. So, and that's what UCLA did. And I'm thinking, you know, we'll talk about that game coming up, but, you know, I'm thinking they'll be poised for uh, a big game next week or this week. But, uh, dude, uh, I'm excited. Not excited, but uh, wanting to talk about this Nebraska-Illinois game. Dude, <laughs> I mean, talking about dodging a bullet for the Florida Gators, like they really <laughs> – yeah. I mean, like Scott Frost was the guy 
And they literally, you know, whiffed or whatever. They missed the chance. They didn't, it didn't connect because he went to Nebraska, but man, they've been terrible. Like he, I think he only has like 11 wins or something like that in the 13. It was uh, 13 wins so far. Yeah. Oh, at least I'm, all, when I saw the record, I thought it was 13 wins. I'm, yeah, I may be incorrect there, but it's not. He's just barely above double digits. <laughs> yeah, I believe you, because I, I know your memory. So, like, it's, uh, it's remarkable how bad they've done. I would have thought... You know, even I know it's tough to recruit to Nebraska because, you know, one, it's Nebraska. But two, like what I saw, what people have been talking about recently is like that the airport situation there is kind of terrible. So like just getting recruits into the state is difficult to visit. So it's like you can't even get guys to visit, let alone to want them to stay. So it's like how are you expecting to really like do well when you can't even do that? And it's, uh, it's tough, man. I feel bad for Scott Frost cause he wanted to come home and like, you know, be like basically Steve Spurrier and how Spurrier came back home and resurrected the program. Rebuild Florida. Yeah. But he hasn't done it. And it's just, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that? It's tough for Nebraska. So at least at the, with, when Nebraska was a juggernaut and were, I think a lot of people forget that at least people closer to my age now they forget nebraska was a powerhouse in the 80s 90s and that and the main thing with that since you mentioned recruiting i was going to mention this was that they had always the strongest offensive and defensive line because those were midwest country boys that didn't take a lot of travel to recruit and they just said hey you're going to be the foundation we're going to win national championships stuff." so with that line all they had to do was go out to out of the other states and get the skill positions and be like, look, yeah, you can go here, but we got the best offensive line or defensive line to protect you or, you know, to mess stuff up. And ever since then, they've been, haven't been able to get that, you know, foundation in the Midwest because places like Oklahoma, Texas. And I still think this is the biggest mistake Nebraska did moving to the big 10. Now you're competing against Michigan, Ohio state, Penn state. It's very tough to recruit literally like what is that five blue bloods at one time and especially with the big 10 schedule being much more difficult than they were in the big 12 uh and that i'm not i shouldn't say i saw this coming but i did remember when frost was hired at nebraska um many people said okay two years they'll be you know real threat for the big 10 i was like have you seen the program? Uh, it's not. It's not in a good spot. And you got to remember, it's tough to rebuild. I, and I did not mean to sugarcoat this, but Nebraska was literally in like a Vanderbilt or in Kentucky rebuild mode, where you're just like not good. You can't get the recruits, and you're stuck in one of the most toughest schedules in, in the country. So it's tough to just say like, "Hey, we're winning when we're not." The thing that is most striking to me about Nebraska is how little improvement there has been with players um, that have been there. I think the bet, I know I don't mean to beat a dead horse here, uh, but Martinez, the quarterback has been there since Frost got in and, and Martinez was a very highly touted QB. Um, and there's been no development. There's been very little progress with him in terms of uh, passing play recognition, um, because there are a lot of times he has to scramble out of the pocket. Even ball control has been a serious problem. He's a dual threat quarterback, uh, but 
he can't handle the ball too well. So it makes it very risky for him to just tell him, yeah, go ahead and pick up the first down when a head can jar it loose. He hasn't shown any development and there hasn't really been any development of the players or even like discipline. I'm, I think Nebraska got what? I mean, cause I was watching the game. They had over like 13 penalties on, on the game. And there was one of them that was a pass interference that took an interception. Or I believe it. One of them was a big play. And then there was a bunch of miscues on the punt return. And that um, I don't mean to take this away from Illinois. Illinois came to play. Brett Bielema certainly hyped him up. But that game was more so Nebraska losing than Illinois winning. Nebraska had every opportunity to just pull away and win it, but they just couldn't get out of their own way. And like Scott Frost said himself, it can't be the same story because that has literally been the story of most – Nebraska losses since he's been there has been they just can't get out of their own way. They're losing these games they're supposed to win. Yeah, and I, man, Martinez has probably been the biggest, like, reason why they haven't improved because if he would have improved, then this team would have done a lot better. But it seems like he is stuck, you know, basically where he was. And he is a like okay college quarterback he's not going to go to the nfl um and so it's like you know i would have thought scott frost would have done a better job of getting him ready and specifically especially being off- a former quarterback yeah not only that but it's just the the offenses he ran at oregon and at, at ucf you would have thought he would have been ready to um you know implement all that stuff at uh, nebraska but it's been tough sledding and they've been they've been terrible and it's like i i don't see it getting any better you know this is the fourth year you know uh i wrote and when i did in the ucla preview i talked about how you know that year when uh dan mullen and willie taggart and scott frost and uh jeremy pruitt and chip kelly all got hired you know Taggart's been fired. Jeremy Pruitt's been fired. Uh, Scott Frost is on the verge. The only one besides Dan Mullen is Chip Kelly, but he's barely there because his couple of years have been bad. His leash too. is about. Yeah. It's, it's, but, but I think they're more willing because they see progress. And that is the other difference as well is because it's like, Oh, you know, if the team is doing this, even though they're not winning, because like last year, UCLA lost a couple of close games. And it's like, if they're losing close games, then it's like, okay, they're right there. They're close, you know, but some of these Nebraska games, I mean, that Illinois game, they weren't even really close. Like as much as like, I know you're saying like, it was, Nebraska, yeah, but it was no, 23 to seven right? or 23 23- or and it, it was some weird, weird score. It, and it was like, and it was like 30 to 16 at one point or something. Like it was just like, they weren't even like really in the game. And I'm like, man, this is, this is terrible. And uh, I don't know. I, I expected huge things from Scott Frost. It's like, he's like, he's like a boomer bust guy. He's either going to be really, really good. Or he has a very low ceiling or low floor as well. So he could like, really shit the bed and he's I mean he's I don't know what's going to happen to him through this year he's got to get fired I don't see well, why it's interesting because the AD said he's not fighting for his job this season which I was like 
it's funny again just considering the history of nebraska um um uh who is the the coach after tom osborne um uh, his frank, name is frank uh solich or something like that solich or, or something or maybe some of the quick. pete it was the guy. It was the coach right after Tom Osborne. Solich. I think it's Solich. I think. Yeah, Solich. Frank Solich. That's his name. Solich. Yeah. He got fired, even though he went to the national championship in two thousand one, <laughs> yeah. and had a couple ten win seasons and was going to Big Twelve championships. But they fired him because the AD. I rem, I rem, looking back on it, it's hilarious. He said he didn't want Nebraska to fall into mediocrity. He didn't want my <laughs> mediocrity to be acceptable, which uh, is crazy amazing. to think about almost, tw- what is it? Almost, yeah, 20 years later, 20 years and that's, later. they're worse than mediocrity. Oh, they're terrible now. They're, they're like, their program is non-existent. And he, I think I get what he's saying because I'm looking at their record when he was there. And he, I mean, he did quite well. He went. Let's see. He went nine and four in 98, 12 and one in 99, uh, 99 Florida state won the, the, Florida uh, state won the national championship, won the national year. championship that year. And they beat uh, Virginia tech in the sugar yeah. bowl. And then the next year they went 10 and two, which 10 and two is not terrible. And then the year after that, they went 11 and one. They lost uh, the big 12. Or they, no, no, no. They, they uh, did. lost they Miami. Were, they lo- they lost. I don't remember what happened if they lost the Big Ten championship, which I think they might have. Yeah, they did because they went to the championship game. They and lost. They, to, they lost the to Colorado. They lost to Colorado like big time, and that's why a lot of people had said they didn't belong, and they did get blown out by Miami. And because it was technically the game should have been Florida. And Miami and that Florida, game. Yeah, it should have been Florida, Miami, and all. Yeah, because yeah. Rex, Rex was awesome that year. Rex should have won the Heisman, but then freaking, um, God, I can't. Crouch, Eric Crouch won Crouch. it instead. <laughs> and dude, his his numbers. If you look back at his numbers, his numbers were Grossman terrible. Was the clearly the better oh player. yeah, like was, like Grossman, like even in that era, that was like you know still not a, like a huge passing era. It was like becoming a passing era. It was like. His numbers were way above everyone else. It was Thank really. God I wasn't cautious during that, man. I would have broken something. <laughs> the it's still the biggest robbery ever. But he, it was um, the only reason he didn't get it because he would have been the first underclassman to get the Heisman. Mm-hmm. Because at that point, only juniors and seniors had won it, yeah. and they didn't want and uh, they didn't like want Rex to be the first underclassman. So it was it was terrible. I mean, and he, I think he lost like. One of the closest votes in the history of it, too. It was by, I think it was by like, yeah, it was the closest. I still think it is. It's either one of or the closest Heisman final. I think it was because I think it's it's weird how they do it. It's like, I never understand how they do the Heisman voting because it's always like the most total votes, even if one guy has more first place votes. So Grossman had more first place votes, but Crouch had had more like second, third, and fourth, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's garbage. Trust me. I I was I was livid. And not only because I will talk about that year forever, because that's the year that Spurrier walked away at the end of it. And then that year was the 9-11 game. So that year, 
Yeah. So like the game was supposed to be played in September after 9-11, but they canceled all games the following weekend. And that game got moved to December. Uh, Ernest Graham gets hurt in the game against Florida State, which was a blowout game. Like Florida State was never in it. Darnell Dockett like grabs his leg and like twists it. So he couldn't play against Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee's running back goes wild and the game was still close. It was like at the end, Grossman had a two point conversion that he didn't convert. And Which if was they pass interference, but nobody yeah, talks yeah, about yeah. that. And if they would have <laughs> tied it, they would have, you know, probably gone to overtime and probably would have won, would have won that, went on to play the SEC championship game, would have played LSU. They blew out during the year. Would have probably beaten them and then played Miami in the championship. And who Miami knows what would have that would have been that would have been a big what it. I'm not sure as much <laughs> as that 01 team is good. That 01 Miami team was just as good. That would have been a much more fun national championship. Yeah, that would have been. We'll never know. That would have been way closer than what Nebraska put up. And I was, yeah. you know, I was adamant even at that point that Florida still had a chance. I remember like being in the gym talking to people about that and how pissed off I was, but whatever, you know, the that's first in the person past. to think of the playoff then. Yeah, 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 exactly. But then <laughs> it was like that led to Spurrier being pissed off because a lot of the Florida fans were mad that they didn't get to the championship. And so that led him to quitting. He quit, went to the Redskins and then, you know, the rest is history. But if he doesn't quit, the Gators don't get Zook. And if the Gators don't get Zook, you know, you they don't make it, but then that also means well, we they don't, don't get, get Meyer. Meyer exactly. So it's like if Spurrier never leaves, there's a chance that the Gators never get Meyer. And you know, Spurrier might have got another championship out of him. There's a possibility he could have gotten yeah. one more, but I don't know if he'd have gotten two more, which Urban did. So who knows? And we never, we probably never would have gotten Tebow either. And yeah. that would have been, you know. Uh, regardless, let's all right. So let's move on. So let's talk about uh, the Heisman teams. Who do you or Heisman players? Who do you feel is some of your Heisman possibles? So I mean, obviously preseason. Um, it's very early to tell. Yeah. Um, this is a specific reason why whenever I look back at some of our old articles, I don't look at the Heisman ones because it's kind of embarrassing who I would pick. <laughs> um, but. I do have some uh, favorites, um, at least so I think uh, can make a running for it. Um, my first one is Derek King, uh, quarterback Miami. Um, he is coming off a uh, serious uh, ACL injury, so that is a problem. Um, we have to see how he recovers from that. But if it's any indication based on the practices uh, that I have seen, uh, and, you know, general play, if he can get back to that same level, there is a serious chance um, that he can become, you know, a serious Heisman threat at Miami because uh, it was literally him single-handedly last season willing Miami to some of these wins and keeping them in these games. Uh, so he's a huge difference maker in these games but do you uh, for think, Miami. Do you think he's healed enough to be able to be the same guy he was last year? That's where the question why I'm I'm doing this based on like what if he I've seen the footage of him at practice he's very mobile um his arm looks good um and that's what he was planning the leg good um I'm hoping just for the sake of you know entertainment uh cuz he's a fun guy to watch that he is healthy I I'm 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 betting on the bet I'm betting that he's going to be as good 
at most as good as he was. Um, maybe not at the start of the season, but I think throughout the year, once he gets kind of more comfortable, um, he'll be able to kind of get more used to kind of his own skin because I know like an ACL injury is not an easy thing to come back from at all. Um, but I think if, you know, maybe obviously we're going to have to see how he plays. Uh, but I think if he can get back uh, to being even like 80 or 90% of what he was last season, um, he's got a serious chance. Uh, he's got a rocket arm in his mobility, which is the biggest question. Um is what's able to keep a lot of those Miami uh, drives alive. Okay. What about, uh, what about another person? I'm going to give you two, give me two possibles. You have Derek King uh, and then who do you, who, who's another one you think of? My uh, other one is uh, Sam Howell. Um, mm-hmm. pro, you know, prototypical pro style pocket guy, just, you know, launching it in pinpoint precision. He, I think it was my Heisman favorite last year. Or I, I might've mentioned him. Yeah, um, you did. He, um, you know, through, what was it, uh, 30 touchdowns, I believe, last season uh, for, for a truncated schedule. Or at least it was, like, that's really good um, uh, for him. And he had a really good completion percentage. Um, and it's he has enough wide receivers to, you know, help elevate him um, at North Carolina uh, to get these big numbers. Um, I I would not be surprised at all if Sam Howell were talking about maybe 40 touchdowns this season, maybe more, because um, he has such a good set of wide receivers and he's very accurate with all, especially deep. It's it's really weird. I think he's more accurate throwing it deep than he is like the medium or even short range passing. I don't like the, the game against like AM and the Orange Bowl. There was a lot of those passes where, you know, he was throwing it short and he wasn't connecting. There's sometimes where we just tossed it 40 yards and double coverage and all like put it in the absolute perfect spot uh, to do it. So I think Sam Howe, especially being a uh, deep ball threat uh, passing, uh, has a good chance at you know making a run for the Heisman. Um, and fin- finally, um, I hate to you know kind of go with the norm. Um, but yeah, I think Spencer Rattler can make a run at it. Um, he's mobile. Uh, he can keep drives alive uh, with his legs, and he certainly has the accuracy um, that made him like one of the top quarterback recruits. He was showing that last year. He definitely found, you know, you know, he hit the typical freshman potholes. You know, he you know faced adversity and was having a tough time breaking through it. But I think one season under his belt uh, and that experience is as crucial as it'll be for him. Uh, cause I think he's going to become more accurate as a passer, um, especially reading defenses and stuff, which is always the toughest thing for freshmen or first year quarterbacks getting into is reading defenses and, you know, corners and where their zones in. Uh, but when he was like reading them, reading them like a book, he was picking them apart. Um, and I think he's got a really good chance at, you know, do doing exactly that again, especially with how prolific Oklahoma's, you know, air raid offenses, uh, to put up some like serious, like, I raising numbers. Uh, I don't mean to have another Oklahoma quarterback run for Heisman, but I mean, it's kind of hard to argue. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I Rattler was one I was going to pick, but I mean, since you already mentioned it, I think I'm going to go with uh, Keaton Slovis. Mm. Uh, you know, the kids put up huge numbers. You know, he's been very accurate and uh, 
you know, he's a, he's a really good quarterback and I I've just been impressed with him since, since he took over, I've been out here uh, a couple of years now in LA and, you know, he took over for JT Daniels, I think two and a half years ago, something like that. I think it was and about two. Yeah. Cause something like that. Cause he's been like a starter for two years and I think he like took over like at the, like I think JT Daniels got hurt at one of the seasons and that's when he took over, but uh, no, he's been great. Um, he's uh, you know, he's in the mold of like Carson Palmer, you know, got a big live arm, you know, can make all the throws. Um, I just, you know, it, it's been Clay Helton really holding that team back. He's not the best coach, but I don't know. They've, they've kind of stuck with him because of the fact that, uh, you know, he is a alumni and I think they just wanted to keep that going. And it's, it's been okay. You know, last year they were undefeated in the regular season. You know, it was only five games, but still being undefeated is a big accomplishment. They went to the Pac-12 championship, but uh, uh, I just see this being a really good year for him because it's a full schedule and he'll get to play, you know, he gets to play Stanford. He gets to play UCLA and uh, there's one other big game, Utah at home. And then they'll have a tough road test at Notre Dame. So there's there, but uh, um, as far as, I was just going to say some things about Derek King. They're going to have some tough games. They play Alabama. You know, we'll talk about that later. And then uh, UNC. So Sam Howell and Derek King will match up against each other, which will be interesting. And then um, as far as Spencer Rattler, you know, I expect big things uh, because he had a 67.5 completion percentage last year. So that's huge. So if he can go up from that, that'll be 70 range, which 70 is, you know, yeah, that's NFL like. Yeah. <laughs> so if he can get it that high, that would be tremendous. And then I think another one I would say, um, you know, if if there's like a dark horse running back that I think that could do it, that I think is really talented, is uh, Isaiah Spiller mm. uh, at AM. I mean, it just depends on how. Jimbo uses him. I know he likes to use a lot of people, but um, if he could rack up a ton of yards, because he's very good. He's probably, when I was watching him last year against Florida, I know Florida's defense was not that great last year, but still he was running right through everybody. And he, but he did that against like pretty much everyone, but he was also and he's a dual threat guy. He can be used as a receiver too. Yeah, That's, exactly. And he, but the thing was he was getting, split time with that uh that other guy the zero i can't remember his his number was zero but i can't remember his name but it if he can get more mm. of the bell cow uh carries and be like a 20 plus guy carry wise i could see it happening but if jimbo again tries to split time with him then it, it doesn't bode well for him but as far as that yeah those are, those are the typicals i know they're gonna say jt daniels i'm not sold on jt daniels there's, a, there's a guy that I have had a back and forth with on uh, Twitter. I can't remember his last, uh, his last name's coffee, but he's like, he's so adamant that like, you know, uh, JT Daniels is going to be good. And he was like, Oh, those four games were against quality opponents. And I'm like, dude, the rankings of all those defenses were like in the eighties and like nineties and hundreds of the uh, total defense, those teams they played. So, and then like one had a first year coach, one had they fired their coach. Another one 
was another first year coach. And then the only one that wasn't was the Cincinnati one. And uh, with that one, you know, it's a group of five. Team. Shaky. Yeah. And it was looking a bit shaky. Yeah. They say, weren't even that good either. Yeah. I will say JT Daniels. I do think he is going to be good, but he has to prove it uh, to me. Cause like I said, I'm not completely sore on him yet. I do think he is the, I mean, if they started him last season, I probably would have, I think Georgia would have been better off. Um, but well, I have to, you know, I have to see how he does in a full time uh, game here. The other thing is too, is that I'm not the most trustworthy with Georgia quarterbacks. Cause that's not the system of offense. They run, they run, they run it down your throat and their quarterback is, you know, play fake, pop it downfield, which is, I mean, it's effective. Uh, but I mean, I don't really look at Georgia quarterbacks and be like, okay, this guy's going to give me a game winning drive or, you know, give me the big yards. Cause that's not like who they are. That's not what they're meant to be. They're meant to wear you out, run you down. And then if they need, you know, once the defense creeps up, you know, throw it over the top. Yeah. But that's not what college football is anymore. <laughs> like that's yeah, what I, I don't understand. Like it's, it's almost like Kirby smart has been, uh, pass by, but he doesn't realize it. And I don't think Georgia fans even realize it yet because they're like, they think that Todd Munkin is going to make a difference. And like Munkin's okay. And he's done all right in the NFL, but I'm like, dude, they don't play the way that Oklahoma does, the way that Ohio State has, the way that Clemson does, the way that Alabama does. They don't play that same type of football. And so I don't think they can keep up and we'll see it first game and we'll talk about it a little bit later, but it's going to get challenged right away. And if they lose Mm -hmm. that game, they're behind the eight ball the rest of the year. I mean, they could even win the rest out, uh, but still losing that first game is going to be huge uh, against them. But uh, let's move on to let's do this week's games first. I'm going to change it up this time because I want to like save who we think uh, as far as, uh, who we think is the the top teams? We'll save that for last. But let's mm-hmm. go over the the schedule ahead. And so this week's games, we have a bunch of games before Saturday, and a few games outside of uh, uh, Saturday as well. So some on Sunday and Monday. So the first games are here on tonight. So we're trying to get this out as soon as I can. As soon as we're done with this, I'm going to put this out so you'll hear this before the games. Hopefully we can get it to everyone as soon as possible. So first games, we've got Boise State US UCF. What do you got in Boise State UCF, Ian? Yeah, this is a, a good one. I think, you know, because UCF now, you know, hauling in, pretty much did a trade with head coaches with uh, Gus Malzahn. I think UCF, it's going to see if last season was the abnormality. Having Gabriel come back is a very big thing, especially because I think he is a very quality quarterback. Um, Boise State's defense isn't really much of a pushover, though. Uh, but I think I will take UCF in this one. And I, it's going to be a close one, but I'll take UCF. Let's go with 28 to 21 uh, nights. Yeah, I think Boise State's going to score 28, but I'm thinking – I think UCF's going to win. I'm going to say 34-28 UCF. So you said 28-21? Yeah, 28-21 nights. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Jeez. Uh, Thank you. Okay. All right, next game. USF, NC State. Who you got in this one? Um, 
I mean, USF is, you know, still in rebuild mode. Um, so, I, I mean, they were put on the schedule for obvious reasons. NC State wants a soft game uh, laid up to them. Um, USF, I think, is going to improve this year. Um, and I think they will have better games. And I think they will have a better game than most people expect from them in this one. Uh, but I don't. I don't think they're at the same level as NC State. I have NC State winning this one, uh, 38 to 14. Uh, I think NC State will run away with it. See, I don't think that it's going to be a blowout, and I I see why you think it is because NC State's not terrible, and they're not a, uh, but they're not also not on the level of like North Carolina. No, and not so like not there, but they're close, but not yeah, there. they're close. They're like in that mid tier lane uh, range. I think, I think NC State might go up a little bit, but then USF is going to come back. And it'll be a closer game, but I'm still thinking NC State's going to win. I got NC State winning 27-20, so I'm going to keep it. They'll they'll cover, uh, or USF they won't cover. And uh, so people that are are betting the NC State and the number, they're going to lose out here. But I don't really care. I just want USF to do well. And you know what? We didn't really. I'm not going to do like a preview where we've done before where we're like, we preview everyone. I think we just, us talking about it is good. So I'm just going to say a little bit about USF. You know, I did my preview the, uh, just, uh, today or no Wednesday. And, uh, you know, I talked about it. I'm very excited about coach Scott. You know, it's, um, you know, I was there when Skip Holtz took over and I, I, I started, my internship right when the season started. So I saw the excitement in the athletic department when everyone was hoping that, you know, it was going to be changed. And, you know, it was obviously a weird ending with Jim Levitt with, you know, yeah. what, what he got accused of and everything. And like, you know, it's terrible what happened, you know, cause Jim was the, the face of this, this program for, I don't know, since 97. So, yeah. yeah. So since it was the like football team, you know, yeah, began. So, it, so it was like 12, 13 years. He was the face of it and he just was gone. So it was very difficult for them to try to, you know, figure out where they were going. I just, it never worked with skip and it really set the, the school back, the program back, you know, Willie Taggart came in and, you know, they made them competitive and they won 11 games one year and it was looking great. And I honestly thought, even though he left, I was like, Oh, it sucks. But, you know, I think we'll be all right. We had, you know, they, the recruiting was there USF. So it was like, they were going to be fine. Uh, Coach strong comes in and I liked coach strong. And I thought maybe just, it just didn't work out for him at Texas and it'd be all right at USF. And he just fell apart. His recruiting yep. was terrible. And I, that's what like really blew me away. It was like, why was his recruiting so bad? Like he, that's what he was known for at Florida. Yeah. And he was just dog piss. Like, I, it's just like, he was like, he just like, didn't care for it anymore. Yeah. And, and, and I know for recruiting in Florida, obviously is really tough. Cause you got to feel, <laughs> you have to deal with like three juggernauts, let alone all the other schools trying to come in, but I thought like he would have done that was the craziest thing was that because I've mentioned, you know, I went to Clearwater high and around the football team. Once those schools, I remember seeing scouts for UF FSU, Miami at the, a lot of the big games. Um, a lot of, you know, I saw Tennessee, um, all, all those schools, not once did I see an uh, USF scout in any of those games when Charlie Strong was ever. 
That's I terrible. saw you. I saw. <laughs> I saw. Um, what was it? I saw FIU. Um and FIU and um FAU. Uh no, Florida A and M. Uh, oh, Florida A uh, and M. Florida A and M. Like Florida, before, I ridiculous. saw anything related to USF coming to a lot of these big games. And you know that's that's largely what I had a problem with, and I've always had a problem with is like, you know, they always talk about the state of Miami with recruiting. It's like you know all that whole area on the southeast side of Florida, and like if if Miami locks that down, they don't have to worry about anything else. And it's true with USF. If USF just locks down the Bay Area, you know, Pinellas, Hillsboro, uh, Sarasota, Bradenton. All that that whole Bay Area. Oh, yeah. If if it, it just like says no, no one else is coming in and recruiting these guys. We are recruiting all of these guys here, so they can get the three and four star guys from there. They would kill it, and then not only that, they would make that pipeline with there and a good relationship with relationships with all those schools. So then it would be like if there was a five star guy, there's a potential that they could go to USF because they already had a relationship with those coaches. But it never existed. It, it and you know what? That's the thing about Jeff Scott because it seems like it is becoming a thing. It's going that way. There's a few kids from Clearwater who committed, and a couple other kids in the because Pinellas County, Pinellas County's never won a state championship but that's mostly because the guys in charge of the football program like the pinellas county officials are idiots <laughs> they don't they don't divvy it up like it's not like img academy where it's like the juggernauts are obviously getting what they deserve because yeah. it's like i joked with my you know old tv production teacher i said it's like communism how they do it everybody has to get the same and that just doesn't work in high school football yeah um but there's talent here and i'm not saying like you know oh it's like five-star level, but all USF has to do is do what UCF did, you know, get some three and three, two stars kids, uh, tell them that develop them from there. And you, they're right in your backyard. So you don't even need to, you just say, Hey, I understand it's going to be tougher for you to maybe go to like Florida, but stay here being from your, you know, family and friends have you a pretty good program there. Yeah. And you know, I, you know, Jeff Scott is very young. He's like, I think early forties, something like that. And, you know, he's got a great pedigree, you know, being the OC at uh, Clemson and he's gotten, I think at least the national championship, maybe even two from being at his time there. Two. Yeah. So he, he, has, was on a, he was, cause he was, the, cause he was there a while. He, he yeah. had, like he was the OC for a while too. So, you know, he knows what he's doing and, you know, learning from Dabo is a big thing because Dabo created this beast that is Clemson that they came from, you know, being this like kind of afterthought school. And now they're like, you know, they're in the top five every year. And, uh, you know, I have high hopes for the future this year for USF. It's not about again, like much like UCLA, it's not about winning games. It's about how you play these games and how, like what happens in them, the style. If you are losing, but losing close and hard fought games and not making mistakes and like, yeah, yeah, and and just being beat because the other teams are more talented, that's fine. But you know what? It'll play into and give progress and momentum to next year. And next year is really the year when it's going to start really getting into like, you know, six, seven, eight wins and then getting into the year after that as well. So progress has to be made. That'll start with 
uh, this game. Hopefully they, they play well. And I, that's what I'm looking forward to. So let's move on. The next game is we don't have to talk about this one very much. I just want to see your opinion on it. Bowling green against Tennessee. What do you think of, of Tennessee's, uh, outlook for this year? <laughs> uh, um, not good, but then again, I mean, considering all the crap that went down, I mean, I don't envy as much as we're not, you know, as a Gator fan, as much as I am not a Tennessee fan, I do feel bad for the fan base because they've had been jerked around a lot, especially this offseason. They're in, um, yeah, they're in some serious rebuild um, with that whole mess. Um, I'll make it short and sweet. Um, Tennessee wins this one. Um, might not be pretty. I'm not expecting a lot of things from Tennessee to be pretty this year, um, but I'll say Tennessee gets a 34, you know, a 27 to 13 win. I'm not far off from that. I've got it as 24-17. So, you know, they, uh, they're they probably going to struggle. And that's when, like, the, you know, the, the villagers are going to come for his scalp because – they're going to be so pissed that it's going to look just as bad as it was last year. Well, I mean, it's, I not, his, it's not Hypo's fault. It, no, it really it's not. Isn't. They, they've been, you know, dude, think about it. They haven't, they've beaten Florida once in the last like 17 years. And mm-hmm. it's like, dude, you, when you become losers, you know, it's so hard to like get you over your culture. Yeah. And you it, like, it's, it's ingrained in the football program now. It's not like, you know, it was just a season or two here every once in a while. It's really been taking hold. And so now all they know is losing. So, like, to get over that, it takes a lot. And it takes, you know, it may take him, like, three, four years. You got to be patient with this because this isn't – I mean, this is not, like, normal. (laughs) I shouldn't say, you know, that. But I was like, this isn't, like, you know, the typical – program bad have this guy turn it around this is like something deeper into the root yeah and it's very similar to what's going on at florida state as well i mean look how terrible they are and we'll talk about it in a little bit but they're you know both programs are just way down way down i've never seen both of these programs as down as they are and uh yeah so i i don't expect big things this year from them but like you said if they stay with it maybe they will in three four years and i think he could He's got the offensive mind to do it. And I think they need that. They need an offensive mind. They've had a defensive coach who, you know, Jeremy Pruitt was way over his head. He did not. He's not a head coach. He's a defensive coordinator. That's it. That's all he is. And I know they just, they were trying to sell him for the last couple of years. And I just was like, this guy's going to get fired. I know it. I just, I could see it on his face. But to get fired over that, that was amazing. Oh, I know. You get fired over Happy Meals. (laughs) I know. The whole thing was like ridiculous, but it was, they were, God, I don't even remember what their record last year was, but it was bad. I know it was bad because it it was like, it was like, but the year before they had won like seven games and they won their bowl game. So they were all like high and mighty. Like they were, on the come up and like uh what's his face phil formal was like oh tennessee's back and like dude you are not You're back not. after winning seven <laughs> games dude i called that i called i remember calling that at the beginning of uh i remember that from last season um i said i was not sold on tennessee and i will not to say I that think I, was, I, I i don't think i ever will until i don't know what it'll take i mean it'll have to take someone really good 
coaching wise to come through there. And I think Hypo will maybe have a chance, but still, it's I wasn't going to play Florida, Bama, Georgia. It's yeah. tough. And I wasn't even that impressed with what he did at UCF either. Cause it like, they kind of went, uh, regressed every year so like he started high and then just regressed the last two years so but let's move on so uh big game ohio state minnesota how do you feel ohio state with uh their was it cj stroud that's his name right i believe it was uh stroud uh yes yeah stroud yeah so stroud takes over for um justin fields and uh then you have also that kid the highest quarterback recruit ever that is like ranking his like number oh, yeah. is, is um, like something like a, a thousand, like a hundred, like it's like, it's like over 999, whatever it's so, so Ewers or something like that, or whatever his name is. Um, he's a white yeah. kid with like long hair and he's, yeah, I don't he think looks he, ridiculous. Um, but he's, he's not going to play. He got classified into this year and he early enrolled. So he's on campus and he's there, but I don't, I don't think, think he can play yet. I, I, yeah, I don't know, but I, mean, regardless, I, don't, I, mean, some, I don't know what the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. But Stroud is the starter and Stroud is more than likely going to play out the year. So who do you have uh, Ohio state, Minnesota in this early big 10 matchup? Uh, I think, uh, I, I think Ohio state still has the talent um, you know, to win a lot of these Big Ten games, um, the so to cut, cut it short, um, Ohio State I believe is going to win this one. Um, I'll go. I mean, maybe like forty-five twenty. Um, I think Ohio State will run away with this one. No disrespect to Minnesota, but they're not. Uh, you know, they're not. They don't have the talent to compete with Ohio State right now. But I will say the, I I think Ohio State is not going to it might take a step back only for the fact that a lot of their, they, they lost a lot of talent. So the experience isn't there to win these games. Uh, so I think Ohio State will have a good season, uh, but I think they might take maybe a step or two back. They may lose a game or two that they're supposed to win. Cause uh, a lot of these, like, uh, like, you, you know, uh, Stroud is a, you know, a freshman uh, QB and it's like we see, it's tough. A lot of these kids are freshmen. Um, it's, you know, first experience is, uh, always a tough one most of the time. Yeah. And I, uh, I think Ohio state, I like Ryan day and I like what he's been doing. Um, and he's been up there, you know, he's gotten, I think two playoff spots since he's been there. I think something like that. Maybe I I know he won last year. It was in the championship game. I can't remember for sure, but I, I no, think no, 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 he did because then there was the Clemson uh, game. Yes, the, the, the year, year before, before that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so two, he's been in so the playoffs. Years. He's been in the playoffs twice, and you know, uh, he's done quite well. Justin Fields was, you know, tremendous, and uh, I can see them putting up huge numbers. Olave is a great receiver, and he's getting, you know, pub as a possible uh, Heisman candidate. Um, Master Teague as well. Uh, Master Teague, back, yeah, but. yeah, yeah. So they've got the players. I think, you know, the Big Ten, I'm, I've never been a big fan of. You know, and I've always talked about that. I'm like more of an SEC person. And like, I still don't see them being challenged, though. That's the other thing. It's like, you know, they will probably go 11 and one. And that one game will just be some random, like, you know, Indiana or Indiana, like, <laughs> My, uh, Michael Penix like goes off or whatever, which 
you know, he went off last year and it was close yeah. to <laughs> pulling the upset too. So you never know, but uh, I think Ohio state will be fine. I think they'll probably be in the, the, the contention for the playoff spot. So let's move on. UNC on Friday against Vatech. Who do you got? UNC Vatech. Uh, this one, I'm actually really excited for this one. Um, yeah. Vatech is uh, definitely taking, is in rebuild mode still. Um, they're not, you know, the same level as they were uh, the whole Beamer Ball era. Uh, but I think it'll be closer than North Carolina would like. They're kind of having this reputation of being cardiac kids. Um, but I think North Carolina uh, wins this one um, in a really tough environment because, I mean, Blacksburg, Dude, when they play entertainment, man, I, I don't care who you are. That's a tough one to, you know, not get rattled by. Um, I, but I think North Carolina will pull, pull this one out. It'll be close. I'm going to go with 33 to 24 North Carolina. Yeah, I think UNC is going to score a lot of points this year, and I think they're going to be um... – I, I know they're missing their running backs that that, uh, that left and went to the NFL, but I still think they've got a great enough offense because of Sam Howell. And I think and the Howell's receivers gonna, as well. Yeah, and the receivers are there. So, like, I got Howell, you know, having a great year, and I'm starting it off with this game, and I'm going to say UNC wins 45-31. So the next game, not really a big game, but just kind of like I want to see what you think of Northwestern. Michigan State going up against Northwestern. Who do you got in this game? Um, a good Big Ten uh, battle. Both these defenses are pretty solid, uh, especially for Michigan State. Um, I can really toss a coin with this one. I think I'll take Northwestern in this one. Um, Michigan State is getting better, but I think Northwestern will have enough in the tank to win this one. I'll, I'll, I'll call it a low-scoring one. I'll go 23-17 uh, Northwestern. Dude. I I just punched it in. I have it Northwestern 2217. <laughs> One, <laughs> <we> <laughs> One point difference. One point spread. Yeah, I know. We 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 are always usually pretty close on our predictions, which is pretty wild. Yeah. We like we think the same way on like all these. Okay. So Saturday, there's a lot of huge games. Um, one of the first ones of the day, I think it's a high noon or the big noon kickoff it's Penn state against Wisconsin in camp Randall. Yeah. Um, this one, I, I don't know if I can consider this an upset pick, but I do have Penn state winning this one, I guess, because they're 19. Um, mm. that counts as an upset. Yeah. Um, cause a lot of people are down on Penn state and I was, and I'm like, I start, I'm kind of in the belief that last year was the anomaly, not the standard. Yeah. Uh, but I think Penn state, um, is solid enough, uh, especially the uh, line regimen, uh, to win these games. Uh, so I think Penn State's going to win this one. Another Big Ten low-scoring game, but I think Penn State wins this one 27-23. That's the exact score I have, but, really? the other, but the other way. Oh, you got Wisconsin? Yeah, I've got Wisconsin in this one. I... I don't really love Penn State, especially after last year, how bad they started. And I think what I'm going with in this game, because it's the first game and it's kind of hard to really gauge where these two are going to be at. I like the way that quarterback for Wisconsin came out last year. I think there's potential for him to have – I think he's still there. I can't remember his name. The guy – 
he had like like you know he only had like one incompletion or something like last, yeah. last year um, in, that, in his um, first year you know who i'm talking about no, i don't know his oh, name but yeah but yeah, i know um, and i'm almost positive he's the starter again and if that's the case then i like their chances because if wisconsin has decent to good quarterback play a la russell wilson they usually do really well and so i can see that i just am not sold on penn state lately they've just kind of been whatever sorry but it's just mertz it was mertz mertz yeah yeah yeah. i knew it was an m so mertz yeah and i like i like him going forward i think that wisconsin wins this and that starts a big year for them and i think they're gonna have a really good year okay uh next one is an interesting one fresno state going up against oregon uh what do you think in this one um fresno state has been a really uh you know wild card of a team uh in the group of five they usually have some pretty solid seasons they're very consistent uh but i think oregon um you know again it's it's just a thing where the team has too much talent um um, I, I've got Oregon winning this one, um, 41 to 14. Um, I, I just think Oregon, you know, they're, they're built on speed and I think they can just outrun the defenders of Fresno state. Um, and then I think that's going to be a story a lot from Oregon this year is that the receiving core is very, like they they would be too fast. They just got to burn guys out, uh, on these routes. And that, uh, the, the All-American Thibodeau, like yes. that guy's that guy's a beast. I mean, he's definitely going to be a, like a top five pick, top ten pick next year. All right, yeah, he's so, a premier uh, O-line wrecker. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Okay, so we're getting into some of the bigger games. One of the biggest games from Saturday: Alabama going up against the U. <laughs> Who yeah, you got the, this uh, one, Ian. Uh, this one, um, you know, I, I think Miami will perform their best, but you know, it's my, it's literally, uh, here's a good analogy. It's an actual Ibis versus an angry elephant. <laughs> that's, that's how it's going to go. That's um, good. <laughs> that's how I think it's going to go. Um, Miami, you no, know, well, I think they'll play good. Um, but I mean, Alabama. Them was just way too stacked uh, to, you know, let this one, especially because the O-line for Alabama does not let anything leak through. Um, and I don't, I don't expect that to be this year. So it's going to be a tough time for the Miami defense to try to handle the Alabama offense. Um, and I think Derek King, if he's still mobile, can keep drives alive. Um, but I think Alabama will win this one handedly. Um, give a conservative score, maybe 35 to 17. Um for that one, but I think Alabama will win this one comfortably. So shout out to my uh, cousin and godfather, Tim Sonberg. Uh, you know, he's a huge Miami fan and he's probably one of the like, like most loyal Miami fans I've ever known. Cause he's been a fan since I was a little kid and uh, he's always been there. And, uh, but regardless, I'm going to have to go against him here, Tim, you know, because you are against you, Tim, because, uh, you know, Alabama is just that much better than Miami. And I know Miami has talent there and they've got, you know, a decent squad. But, you know, I don't see their I don't see them either 
staying in the game or like making it close at all. I don't really see that as a possibility. And as of right now, I'm going with a score of 51 20 and like, it's a blowout. And I just feel that Alabama is going to do whatever they want. And that's usually what they do. They usually yeah. do whatever they want, especially against teams that are mid tier to lower. And I believe that Miami's a mid tier team. They'll have a decent year. They only have a handful of uh, really big games. They've got Virginia Tech and North Carolina. Uh, North Carolina is the really like core ones that they have to worry about. They don't have to play Clemson. You know, Florida State sucks, so it's not that big of a deal playing Florida State. And then like, well, it's Pittsburgh. a big deal, but not like ranking wise. Yeah, but it's yeah, ranking wise, it's, it's they're not on the same level anymore. And then uh, Pittsburgh, who you know, we've we've all you know, last couple of years we've talked about how Pittsburgh is one of those teams that like could be potentially better, but there's kind of like just you know made there's a lot of mis- Yeah, they, the discipline and there's always something holding yeah they made mistakes so they've been like help like holding themselves back but you know that's that would be a tricky game it always is they seem to compete with the better teams but yeah miami i I still expect good things you know i don't expect heisman level from Derek king like you do that's just my opinion i don't think he'll be the same as he was last year he'll still be good but not as good and then also i think they'll lose at least two games i don't think they'll get to the ACC championship game, but if they do, they have, um, you know, the shot of a really good season, but it also depends on what they do against North Carolina and Virginia tech. So we'll see on that, but let's move on. Indiana going up against Iowa, another big 10 matchup. This is actually a top 25 matchup here uh, between these two teams. Yeah. That doesn't involve basketball. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) Who do you got Ian? Um, this one, um, you know, I still think the Hoosiers have some magic left in them. I think they can pull off some wins and stuff. And I think they can, you know, go into Kinnixanium and get the win here. I think this would be a really good one. Again, you know, both teams will try to wear each other out. Uh, but I've got Indiana winning this one. I'll go with 31, you know, I don't know. Uh, let's go 28 to 23 Indiana. Um, I think Indiana is going to have a huge year this year. And I think this is like the next step because they've been getting recruits as well. And that's where it's like, you can see the difference where it's like, you know how like Kentucky is not really getting those recruits. You know what I'm yes. saying? Like the where it's like they they've been around, they've done some things, but like they weren't getting the recruits. Indiana is getting those recruits. People like this coach. And, you know, this guy has the potential of getting something really good there. Um, you know, obviously Ohio State stands in the way every year, but if he can like be the second best team in that division, that's still really effing good. And he could be potentially a new year's six team. So like, if he can do that, like if he only gets like one or two losses goes 10 and two or goes 11 and one, dude, that looks fucking great for a team like Indiana, especially when they've especially for football. Yeah. Like they've, they've been a loser in football for years and like to like finally be in the mix with everyone. I'm excited for them because, you know, yeah, I, I know Allen has done a really good job at kind of building this from the ground up, dude, he's done great. And he's been like 
what I think is he also likes to take chances. And I think that's what some of these programs miss with some of these coaches is some of the coaches don't take chances. And if you're not taking chances, you're not going to get to that next level. Like, you know, uh, Bruce Arian says, no risk it, no biscuit. You know, it's like, if you're not putting it out there, there's a chance you're, you're, you're not giving yourself, you're not giving yourself the ability to make that, uh, jump to the next level. And I think they are. Okay. So next one, we don't really talk. We don't need to talk about it too much. I, I realize who's going to win in this one, but I just want to talk about Iowa state a little bit. So it's Northern Iowa going up against Iowa state. Just give me a brief little bit about what you think the score is. And then also, what do you think about their season as well? Yeah. Iowa state, they've, uh, they definitely put themselves on the map last year. I think Matt Campbell has done, you know, it deserves a tremendous amount of credit. Uh, for that, um, um, you know, it's, you know, again, Iowa State was a team that, you know, kind of been silently, but definitely been slowly but surely building up to being a threat in the Big 12. Um, and I, I believe, so I'll, I'll, I'll do the game again. I think Iowa State runs away with this one uh, against Northern Iowa. Um, I'll go uh, 52 to 13 uh, for that one. Um, but I believe Iowa State can make a serious run at, uh, you know, the uh, Big 12 championship. Uh, if they win the necessary games, uh, which I think they have every opportunity to do. Um, I think the receiving core is good. And I especially think uh, the running game, Brees Hall. Um, if you want to talk about, talk, yeah, you want to talk about uh, um, running backs um, with a chance to, you know, and get the Heisman. He and I, I can't believe I didn't, I didn't say anything about him. Cause I was just trying to like think of running backs. And I was like, Isaiah was the one that came to mind, but yeah, definitely Brees Hall, man. And, and the quarterback Purdy, Dude, yes. they, they, they brought back like everyone because of that eligibility issue. So like, mm-hmm. because of the COVID, uh, you know, allowing everyone to come back for next year. So they have everyone back. Like if there is every year, for Iowa state to make a run. It is this year. It really is this year. Um, but I have them winning 48 to 20 and yeah, I'm excited for them because I want to see how this plays out because even if they beat Oklahoma, they'd have to play Oklahoma again in the big 12 championship. So it's like they could go undefeated and then they potentially could lose the big 12 championship game yeah. and then not go into the playoff. And it's like, fuck man. Like that would totally suck if that's what happens. That's they, what it comes down to. They've only had like, I think it's something like, I don't know. It was like three or four years with like 10 plus wins or something like that. Like ever. It was something. It was very, yeah. It was, yeah, it's, it's a very small sample size. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they've been oh, stuck in like, you know, the, they've been one of the blue bloods in the Midwest with like, they were in the big eight, then it went to the big 12. Yeah. And then all that. So they've had to, deal with like nebraska oklahoma texas you know right yeah they've always been in the shadow of other teams and they've never been able to like really big make it big and now they've got the opportunity i'm excited for them because matt campbell's a really great coach and he's he's stayed there i don't i don't know why but he seems to like it and you know what it is they also upgraded their facilities in the last couple Mm -hmm. of years so that probably was a huge reason why he's like you know what? Maybe I can compete here. Maybe I like, I have the ability to recruit kids here and maybe I can give them a chance, you know? And it's like, that's why he's like, why would I go somewhere else when I have what I need and I can, you know, make this my own. And really, cause there's, 
Iowa State's never really been a hugely successful program, and to make it his own would be a huge thing. Okay, next one, Miami of Ohio against Cincinnati. I know this is a blowout, but again, I just want to talk about Cincinnati a little bit. Yeah, Cincinnati is another one. I still, and I'm, I'm still sticking to it. Cincinnati is the best uh, group of five team um, of all the teams. Um, they have a lot of re- returning stars coming back. Uh, Luke Fickle um, has done a really good job of maintaining stability um, at Cincinnati. Uh, usually, when you see a lot of guys come and go, um, and you know, in the team, uh, when a lot of players, uh, there's a lot of turnover with players, obviously graduating, transferring, that kind of stuff. But he found a way to kind of, you know, um, make it, you know, sustainable um, to keep, you know them competitive and to have them win these games. The best thing I can describe Cincinnati is that when they're in these games, they're always in a position to win it. They might not win them all, but they're always in a position uh, to win it. Um, The one thing is like the defense did really good. The offense has to do better. Um, The defense did a really good job of keeping them in games. Um, The offense has to do, take that next step if they want to be going back to these New Year's Six Bowls, which I think they have every opportunity to. Um, But for at least for the score of this one, um, I'll go with Cincinnati. Obviously, I'll go with a 45 to, I think, uh, 19 victory uh, for the Bearcats. What do you think their chances are of getting into the playoff? Um. I mean, everything will have to go right for them. Because, again, with the way the playoff is structured right now, um, which is a whole other discussion, um, it's designed to keep group of five teams out. Um, And that. So, like, a conference is going to have to, like, self-implode this season where a team, like, everybody is just terrible. Um, which I, I honestly thought if there was any season that could happen last year might have been because nobody in the really the Big 12 had a good shot. And then the Pac-12, there was too much, you know, turmoil. Um, but it's going to be really difficult because I still see, you know, maybe like one or two SEC team. If one or two teams get in and from one conference, it's there's no chance a group of five is going to get in. So I'd say... Yeah. It's very, it's still very, very slim for them to get in. Even if they go undefeated, um, they're not in control of their college football playoff destiny. Yeah, and I, um, and I don't think I mentioned the what I thought the Iowa State Northern Iowa score. I think forty eight twenty is where the score for that one. But for this one, I'm going forty two ten. But uh, I. <laughs> I'm excited about the possibility of the playoff expanding. I know we haven't mentioned it yet, but, you know, it gives those group of five teams uh, a, a ability to get there. You know, it's what the top six or top, yeah, top six conference winners, um, the ability to make the playoffs, which that doesn't mean they didn't say, you know, all group of five or power five teams, they said top six conference winners. So, you know, that gives UCF, gives Cincinnati, and hopefully when it comes time, USF, the ability to get into those uh, tournaments. And, you know, because once you get in the tournament, anything can fucking happen, you know, like look Mm -hmm. at the, the NCAA basketball tournament, you know, anything happens there. And so like, especially 
if uh, if a team gets hot, then you can win three games in a row. And boom, you get the championship. So let's move on to. Okay, this one's interesting, and I'm going to test your knowledge here. If you know anything about this team, I know I remember a little bit about them last year, but I don't remember too much. Louisiana going up against Texas. What do you feel uh, about yeah, the Raging Cajuns? Yeah, but what do you remember about them? I don't remember too much about how they played. I remember, I remember more about Coastal than I remembered about Louisiana. Well, I remember Coastal because they had the Swedish uniforms, and I'm still yeah, yeah. <laughs> and oh, the, no, I need the to get a field. Coastal Carolina. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I need to. I need to get on. Uh, uh, I, I still need to get. That would be besides you know Gator and even until September 11th. Uh, USF, who's my home away from home team, uh, Chanticleers would be the only other jersey I would you know wear a college football jersey for. <laughs> Um, but I re- no, I remember um, the Raging Cajuns. Um, I remember they had an upset early in the year. I forgot to who it was, um, though. I believe it was it, Iowa State. Was it Iowa State? Yeah. yeah, I'm almost positive it was Iowa State last year. Yeah. Um, I believe – I know they're going through a lot of um, transition of players. I know the offensive line is changing uh, for them. Um, so that's going to be a serious problem against Texas. I do think Texas is going to win this one because um, uh, I think else? Texas – well then, what do you feel about Sarkeesian and where where they're going, and like what where's the the program going with Texas? Uh, Texas, I think they're going. I would say they're going in the right direction um, because at least with Sarkeesian, you know, he has the motivation to keep these games, you know, wanting to win these games, and I think he has the track record to want to keep these games close. Cause like I said, you know, kind of similar, similar with Cincinnati and a lot of these teams, if you keep it close, you're at least in striking distance to pull these wins out. And that's at the point where Texas needs to get to. I don't think they're at big 12 champion status level, uh, but they have enough solid players to maybe compete for a new year six spot. Um, I don't see them winning the big 12, uh, but I do see them maybe picking up more wins uh, than the past couple of years. Um, I still think there might be a few setbacks, um, but I think, you know, Texas should be in better, more stable position. Um, but one story short, I, I see Texas winning this one. I do think it'll be closer than um, I know one her fans would like, uh, but I think Texas will kind of pull away in this one. I'll go with a 38 to uh 25 victory. Uh, Texas pulls away late. I have the upset, and I think Louisiana is going to win it just because they're they have experience from last year. Um, I didn't see about their numbers, just about like what they're returning on uh, each side, but uh, I feel that they have um, a better chance at being the better team in this game because of their experience from last year, and I think. Um, Texas, you know, coming off the turmoil of losing their coach and, uh, you know, the struggling the last several years, I think that's going to be a real, um, uh, you know, a real problem to overcome in that first game. And because of that, I think um, that Louisiana is going to win. And I think it's going to be close. I've got it a uh 3124 um yeah cuz uh what is it Phil Steele has Louisiana as the the potentially winning the division in the uh the Sun Belt the West um I'm going to check here let's see 
because what okay so are they louisiana or are they louisiana monroe Oh, no, 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 Louisiana. They're Louisiana. Um, Louisiana Monroe is um, the Warhawks. That's a completely different team. Yeah, that's what I thought. So, okay, I'm trying to find them here. Where are they? Hold on. Hold. Bear <laughs> with me, because I want I want to be able to see what they are as far as returners. They do have a lot of their. T- um, okay, I know the their raging Cajuns. Is- that's what it is. Yes. yes. Okay, so. Oh, dude, they're returning 10 on offense, 10 on defense. Dude, I'm, I'm, oh, yeah. Dude, I'm telling you what, man, that's the big upset of the week. I'm telling you, Louisiana's going to beat them. I have a feeling because if you return that many, especially because of the first game, like to be able to have all that coming back, that experience, that'll be the difference maker on what happens in that game. So, uh, especially the first game. So, I, I have Louisiana winning. And then as far as Texas, I think Sarkeesian will do well. Um, I was kind of disappointed with how he did at USC, but he had some um, problems with alcohol and he was struggling with addiction. So, you know, he was battling demons and couldn't get over it. And you know, got fired, but then he redeemed himself at Alabama and he, dude, he won at least one championship there while he was there. So he definitely knows how to coach, uh, Heisman level players on offense and was doing phenomenal there. Um, he will probably bring them back to some relevancy better than, um, uh, God, what was his name? The guy that was just there. Uh, Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> that's Tom Herman. Tom Herman. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Herman. Yeah, Tom Herman. And man, he's disappeared. I don't even know where he's at. Uh, but Tom Herman really just, but it, Tom Herman and Charlie strong both did nothing. So it's been like a decade of futility as well for them. So I think Sarkeesian can bring them back and it may not be, you know, you know, undefeated seasons, but it could be like 10 win seasons, which I think they'll, they'll, they'll gladly accept. So let's move on. I will, I will say though, uh, yeah. before I, I know we weren't doing this, but I did yeah. make a pick of like conference winners and yeah. the Sunbelt is like my secret favorite group of five conference. Yeah. So because I had app state coastal Carolina, but yeah. I did pick the raging Cajuns to win the conference. So I will there say that go. I do. I do think they'll win you the think, conference. You do think highly of them. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, real quick. Uh, what do you think of, USC and the give me a score real quick of San Jose State USC. Um, USC, I think will win this one. Uh, San Jose State, you know, has been developing into a, a solid uh, group of five program. Uh, but USC, you know, Slovis, um, it's just going to be too much. I have them running away with it. I'll go fifty-five to ten. Oh, that's a blowout. Um, you know, they've been recruiting very well, even though. What was it like two years ago? They were really bad recruiting because they thought they were going to fire Helton. Well, it's honestly, they ended up getting the number two recruit, this D lineman USC did. So expect USC to really ramp up this year. And I'm expecting a really good year. I'm thinking 10 and two range, maybe even a little better, depending on how they do against Notre Dame. So they could go 11 and one, but I'm thinking like 10 and two. So potential Pac-12 championship game, and then maybe a playoff if things break right. They'd have to probably go undefeated. But USC, one of my 
top teams, you'll see, I think even better than Oregon. I like Oregon, but I like USC better this year just because I love Slovis. I mean, I don't know. The kid just has the moxie and he's got, he really does have the intangibles. I really see him being one of the top uh, quarterbacks picked in the draft next year. Okay. Next one. Uh, kind of an oddball, but just a, a non-conference uh, game. Texas Tech, uh, Houston. Who do you like in Texas Tech, Houston? I know this is a weird one. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, Texas teams. I mean, this is technically a former um, Southwest Conference matchup. I don't anybody remembers that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I, I, have, I love um, that you do, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, yeah. Um, I think with the Red Raiders, um, it was, you know, I had expectations for them last year and it, you know, obviously they weren't at the level that I thought they, you know, could be. Um, I think with this one, um, oh man, this is a tough one. Cause I know Houston is a pretty solid, uh, program. Um, you know, I think Texas tech's going to win this one. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be by much, um, you know, cause they, you know, they're saying, you know, it's only like a one, you know what, you know, no, uh, I'm going to go with the upset. I will go with Houston. I think Houston's going to pull this one out actually. Well, I think uh, Houston. What, what score wise you think it's going to be? Uh, Houston will win this one. I think it'll be a shootout. Um, I will go with a 37 to 33 victory for Houston. Uh, I just think it's going to be lower scoring for some reason. I don't know why I'm just thinking that. And, but I'm, am having Houston win and I'm, I'm thinking Houston's going to win 22, 19. I don't know too much about either of the two teams, um, but I'm interested to know how Houston does. Cause you know, they'll match up against USF in further in the season. So just always curious there, but Let's move to one of the teams we like to cover the most. You know, me and you is our favorite team is this team. And we've, you know, our, I know you probably have family ties. I have family ties to the school. And uh, so the first game of the year, you know, it's kind of a weird year because it's like, you know, last year could have been great. And they kind of, you know, I don't know, just. They didn't, they didn't come together they, again. Yeah, it just it just was like you know Marco throws that shoe, you know they don't the, beat the Alabama. Lost the SEC, the yeah. SEC, um, and then the defense was not up to you know snuff to stop those teams. Dude, the defense, and we're talking about the Florida Gators, you know, and the the defense had their worst points per game total or average um, since like 1939, which that just. It's almost it hundred years. It, it, it's a hundred years of football, and it was the worst. Like that. Well, just tells yeah, you right I remember there. the they were giving up thirty one point five points a game, and that that's not going to fly in the SEC. You can't. No, you're you just can't not going to win that. games. That I mean, like they they had the offense to potentially, you know, overlook that, but you know, you have to, you have to be better than that, and it was just terrible. They blamed a lot of stuff on the COVID. Um, restrictions and like what they weren't able to play the spring practice stuff the year before. And they were all like that. And they was, so they were unprepared and they looked very unprepared on almost every defensive, uh, you know, play. It was, they were not lined up. People were like looking at each other, what to do. And it's like, 
I mean, God, I don't understand why that's even a thing. Like, how do you not get that implemented in practice? But apparently they couldn't figure that out. And, uh, you know, they still almost beat Alabama. They were, yeah, they had, I, the ball. I still say Florida was the toughest team Bama played all year yeah, last year. They were, 100%. and they were, they were, they were, had the ball with 20 seconds left. If Dan doesn't call that timeout for, for the two point conversion, they still have two timeouts when uh, with Bama's last possession, they may have gotten the ball with like a minute, like a minute 10 left. So like a minute 10 with no timeouts, you don't think Kyle Trask can go down the field with Kyle Pitts and Kadarius yeah. Tony? That's yeah, it. I definitely it's, it's it would have been likely. possible. And it sucks that we didn't get to see that. But uh, regardless, it was a great year. I still enjoyed the hell out of last year because Kyle Trask fun. is Kyle <laughs> Trask is amazing. And I'm so glad that he's a Buccaneer, like amazingly happy about that uh, uh, draft pick. But uh, regardless, this year, what is your outlook for Florida this year? I know we talked about it in the preview, but just give me some of your insight and what you think this team will be like. Yeah, definitely. I think – I'll start, you know, obviously the, the biggest one has been um, Emery Jones is finally the starter. Because um, I remember when um, Felipe Franks was originally injured, um, the contingent was Emery Jones should be the starter because he had more playing time and he seemed to be the better option uh, between the two. Um, but they obviously did Mullen went to Trask, was the right decision. Um, but Emery Jones, the thing with him is like, any other place, it would be kind of worrying because for a guy to be like a first year starter. But with Jones, you know, he's had experience before. And it's not like he was treated as like a, you know, he is obviously a more moral runner than Trask ever was. Um, but with Jones, Mullen was not afraid to tell him, hey, kid, let it fly, uh, let it rip. And Jones has a cannon of an arm. Um, I remember there was in, in practice, uh, the spring practices, there was one play that were at the 35-yard line, and he threw that ball all the way to the five-yard line. Um, it was – he has an absolute cannon of an arm. Obviously, the biggest thing uh, that they've been working on this uh, offseason has been accuracy. Um, not saying that he's, uh, like, very scattered, uh, but obviously deep ball is, a, you know, something they're working on him too. Ironically, medium to that shallow range, he's done very good in, like, slipping in uh, behind the linebackers and into that pocket, um, which I think they can – you know, he will still be able to do. Uh, but the big thing with Jones – um, is that not to be like every typical, you know, Emory Jones is a running back, but I think what Mullen might do this year is just say, hey, um, Emory Jones is my quarterback slash running back. I'm going to have him on option plays, run plays, and all that, because Jones has the mobility and the wherewithal um, to be that, to pick up, you know, either 10 yards through the air or 10 yards on the ground. Um and that, and that means the offense is going to completely shift. I don't think we're going to see as much of a, say, normal running attack. But what I will think we see with the running backs, um, especially with Malik Davis, is they're going to be like bonus receivers. We saw a lot of that last year, and especially with the Georgia game. You have three receivers uh, out, and you have Malik uh, Davis slip out on a wheel route. And he's wide open. I think we're going to see a lot more of that this year. And if it is a true running play, he's either going to have Emory Jones run, you know, an option, have him, you know, draw it in, or he'll tell, which I think we'll see late in games, is have Damien Pierce just bulldoze through the line once the defense is wear it out uh, to put games away or put the nail in the coffin. 
Um, so I think the offense is still going to be very productive. Um, I know we, you know, losing, it's hard. It's, there's no way we can replace guys like Trask, especially Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts was the best tight end I have ever seen in college football. 100%. I've, I've never seen, and I don't think I'll ever see anybody that good in my life at, at in the freak, college level. Man, is a freak. Yeah. I, it was, you know, as just not even a Florida Gator fan, it was because even at the beginning of the year, everyone knew Kyle Pitts was going to be a top 10 pick. And like, he just got better every week. And if it weren't mm-hmm. for that bullshit tackle by uh, uh fucking, whatever his name is from Georgia. That's oh, yeah. 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 If he doesn't, yeah. if he doesn't hit Pitts and like knock him out of that game, he probably like has the biggest year ever by a tight end. And, you know, it was even a shortened season, so it was just great. But yeah, continue. Sorry, I, I just wanted to talk about Kyle. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, you're right, and that's the thing. I don't think I, again. I don't think we're gonna have somebody to replace that. We do have the size. Florida does have the size. Um, Keon Zipper and uh, Gamble are gonna come into the fold at tight end. Um, especially Gamble, I think, is the better of the um, receiving. Uh, he definitely has the size to withstand these hits. Um, and Keon Zipper was obviously a top recruit. Um, the one wide receiver I want to look at is, um, I think Copeland's going to be good, but uh, Justin Shorter is going to get a lot of playing time. He has the same physique of like a tight end. He's big. Um, he definitely has the hands to hang on to those. So I think, I, I'm not going to say he's going to be like Kyle Pitts, but he'll be like a tight end style player where he can put it up to a place where only he can get it. Um, so I think um, the offense is going to be very productive. Um, I, I, I maybe not as say like they're going to have, I don't think they're going to score every drive, but I still would be, you know, I still think they can score, you know, I know like an average point per game. I would say like, I would see they obviously, I think they would average maybe like 24, 27 points a game um, at least. Um, uh, Cause I, I, I think that there's a lot of talent on the offensive side. And I think with Dan Mullen uh, calling the shots, um, they can, you know, obviously, run the score up. I think the main thing is obviously defense. Uh, defense, it, it needs to get better. Um, it was, you know, kind of, it was just, you know, a mess with everything. Um, it, the biggest problem was, um, ironically, Florida is known as DBU. The defensive backs were not living up, up to that name. They were doing a really good job at uh, – getting the uh, necessary tackles. Um, but in terms of coverage and, you know, covering these, you know, big SEC guys, it it wasn't there. I think the only one that ha- still has that is um, Kier Elam. Uh, Elam is the one that I think can still, you know, get in the way of passes, disrupt passing lanes and that kind of stuff. Um, other guys, um, Steiner, uh, Stewart, uh, Sean Wilson, um, I think – they will be good. They need to be more developed as, you know, for pass route coverage and stuff. They're very good at, you know, those, you know, safety and cornerback blitzes. Um, and they're definitely good at wrapping guys up. Uh, but, I mean, if you give up a 25-yard pass, great, you got the tackle. I would have preferred it the incompletion. Um, so that's what's going to happen. The one thing that is going to be, I, you know, I expect to be very good um, is the linebackers. Um, the linebackers are going to be uh, absolute – you know, wrecking ball. They were the one position that from the defense that I thought did very good last year, especially with Ventrell Miller. 
Um, I think, you know, with him coming back, that's going to be a real key to the Gators um, uh, defense. Having a guy like um, Daquan Newkirk uh, come in uh, from Auburn on the defensive line, too, is huge. Um, I think the defense and Trudeau. Andrew, yes, Andrew. And he just came in this week, and he's going to play allegedly this game. That's what they said, which is amazing. He comes in yeah. this week, and he's going to play. Um, yeah, the 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 one I would say, as far as like linebacking wise, I think like the guy that I keep hearing other people talk about is uh, Hopper, and like, dude, mm. if Hopper gets a chance, because he's someone that like has shown really good film and that makes a lot of plays. Like I like Diabate. I think Diabate should be get a lot of play, get more playing time than uh, Bernie, um, which I think Bernie is going to get a lot of playing time. Ventro Miller I like, but I don't love because he's not as like good as a cover guy. But he's good. He's a tackle machine. You know, he, he, like, he is. He is like an expert at blitzing and running through the um, defensive yeah, runs through the gaps. Yeah, he, he's very good at that. But uh, no, like going forward, the defense honestly. The key, I think, will be the secondary because they're trying to figure out the star position. And the star position has been so bad since Chauncey Gardner has left. And uh, shout out to uh, um, Gator Nation football podcast because they always talk about this, how it's been so crappy there and that they haven't been able to get anyone. Trey Dean tried it. wasn't working. So many people have been in that position have just not been – uh, sufficient to be able to do the things that you need there. Cause it's a very difficult position. You basically got to be like a linebacker safety hybrid that can cover type guy. And it's not easy. And, um, but I like the fact that, you know, the Gators got uh, blades from AM. They yes. got the guy from Missouri. I can't remember his name. Uh, so those two transfers give death. It sucks that Jaden Hill got hurt and he tore his ACL, which was terrible because he was going to be the starting corner opposite yeah. Elam. But then uh, Avery Helm comes in and he should be good. He's got really good numbers and has been there. And he's got, a, you know, he's was a highly recruited kid. But the kid behind him, though, is uh, Marshall. And Marshall is that five star that, you know, he's going to be there for the next two or three years. And he's going to have good numbers and going to be a potential, you know, SEC, all SEC, maybe even all American. And like, the other guy that, you know, and I keep, I, I talk about it all the time is Dewan Black, like Dewan Black, yeah. man, that kid, he is hungry. And that I think is something that like you don't see a lot of because he is not afraid to show that he's hungry either. He is like, I want to play and I want to be the best and I want to do this. And it's like, he is not like he's confident and he's eager to do the things. And they had said that he potentially could play star. I don't know. It looks like Trevez Johnson is going to get the role there. Yeah. Which, you know, I don't know. I, I, Not I wasn't experienced there. So it's going to be, yeah, I wasn't in, I wasn't in love with Trevez Johnson, but if they figure things out, cause it's, it's fluid right now, especially that position. So we'll see going forward. I like the way this, team is constructed it is as of now the highest composite ranking that they have had in the last like 10 years probably around the time that urban and like Muschamp was there so the the 
quality of player and depth wise is there more so than it's, it's been in a long time. I think that bodes well for the future because if they can, can, they can springboard with that, they will be able to be, you know, in the mix for top five teams. Also what we've talked about with the playoff expanding to 12 teams, you know, that right there, the last three, four years, Florida would have gotten in. So like, you know, that, that makes a difference as well. So no longer are they going to be on the outside looking in. They're more likely going to be on the inside of all this. And can you just imagine a freaking home playoff game in the swamp? In the swamp. That would be Dude, fun. Oh, I mean, man. I've been talking about that for years, ever since they thought about a potential playoff situation. And I was like, man, a home playoff game in the swamp would be unlike anything you have ever felt in the history of atmosphere for football games. It would be the closest it would get to would be like uh, those Florida, Florida state games in the nineties. And those were exactly because those were basically playoff games anyways. So it would be almost the exact same thing, but like legitimately a playoff game now. And it's, I can't wait for that possibility. It seems like it's going to happen. I know with this conference realignment stuff, it's kind of thrown a wrench in the gears with everything, but doesn't mean it won't happen. It's just being kind of whatever. All right, let's get some final scores and we need to move on because we've got a couple of games and we're, we're close mm-hmm. to two hours on this. So, okay, <laughs> what, what do you, what do you got for a score for this game? Yeah, I think, you know, I think Florida's going to win this one. Um, I think FAU, you know, good, good program uh, there, but I think, Florida again. Too, it's the same story. Too much talent. Um, I have the Gators winning this one and a bit of a runaway. I'll go with a thirty-two. Or I'm sorry, forty-two to seventeen victory. And I'm not far off from you. I've got forty-two ten uh, Florida. I think Florida's just got too much for them. They're going to outpace them, and I think uh, Todd Grantham's going to really want to show off because yes, how much and for his job now. Right. And how much heat he took, you know, over the off season. Cause they really, a lot of the fans wanted his head and they, they didn't get, I called for it too. I was pissed. I was tired of seeing that defense and nothing was going on and uh, whatever, you know, Grantham's still there. So they still got to deal with it. They have plenty of talent. So hopefully the talent overcomes the bad coaching, but you never know, you know, his bad coaching might end up being the downfall there. Uh, so let's move on the next, the biggest game of the day, Clemson going up against Georgia. Who do you got in this one? Um, Oh boy. This is a tough one. I'm not going to lie. Um, cause I'm trying to pick this as a, you know, football analyst before a fan. Yeah. Um, cause obviously, you know, kind of made it obvious who we're fans of. So we like it, don't <laughs> like, um, this is, you know, I think with, with this game, this is going to practically be an early playoff matchup. Both these teams know they're going to be fighting, you know, for that spot, even though it's early, they can obviously, uh, overcome it. I think with this one, how these teams play, based on just how they play rather than talent. Cause honestly, talent wise, I think it's close to equal, but I think with the way how they, these teams play and how they call games, I think Clemson wins this one. Not by much though. I think Clemson will win this one and put enough points on the board to the point where Georgia cannot overcome it. I, I'm going to go with a 30 to 20 victory uh, for the Tigers. Um, 
because uh, I don't see Georgia. Because again, the problem with Georgia, especially at quarterback, they're not. They, they don't tell them to. They're not made to win these games. I remember I saw a statistic. Georgia is zero and twelve since two thousand ten when the quarterback throws more than twenty passes, and that's not. <laughs> Yeah, when you're in that situation, it's not good. So they're not used to that. Yeah, Clemson is. Um, so I think Clemson, based on how they play, and you know, many of these players, even Yon, like uh, you, I, I just call him ukulele. Um, yeah, yeah, quarterback. Ukulele, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think you know, especially with Davos Sweeney, they'll find a way to win this game and hang on. Yeah. Um, what do you think about the outlook for both of these teams, though, as far as the rest of the year? I will say this. If Georgia does win this, they're winning the national championship. Okay. I will say that. Yeah. As as much as I want to cut my tongue out for saying that, if they pull the, you know, if they get this win, oh, if and if maybe if they don't play Bama in the SEC championship, because that would be the only other team I could see them putting up a sock, because I think that would be such a boost momentum-wise. Mm-hmm. that they can run off and win it. Um, I do like, you know, like I said, JT Daniels, their quarterback um, for Georgia. Um, the defense is always going to be vicious. Um, that's going to be the backbone of the team. Um, but if they pull this out, I think they that would be their best shot to win the whole thing. Um, if not, I still think they have a good position. It'll come down to the Florida-Georgia game uh, to if they go to the SEC Championship. Who they play in the SEC Championship will be a, a big factor, too, uh, to if they win it or not. Uh, for Clemson, Clemson is still, you know, the king pen of the ACC. I don't see any team there yet. Closest would probably be North Carolina. Um to knocking them off, but I still think Clemson is just in a whole other atmosphere in the ACC. Um, I have Clemson, at least with this one, win or lose, they're winning the ACC. Yeah. And I feel the same way. I, I feel that Georgia is a solid team. Um, they're going to be the favorite. And I think every game except for this one. So uh, they more, more than likely win every game except for probably the Florida game. I think that's a toss-up right now for me. Um, and I'll wait till we get to that time to really dive deep into that. But I have it a close game, too. I have Clemson winning. I have Clemson Clemson, Clemson winning 35-33. And uh, you said your score was 30-28, to 28, right? Uh, 30-20. to 20. 20. Oh, wow. Only 20 for Georgia? Okay. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. Uh, so... Uh, uh, I just think that Clemson's got way too much firepower. They're, you know, Justin Ross is back. And this will uh, you, be the toughest defense they'll play all year. That's yeah, yeah. For and, sure. and so I, I think all offseason, both of these teams have been preparing for this game. You know, like they've, this is their basically playoff game. So yes. they knew they had to prepare for this one. And, you know, it, it should actually be pretty exciting. And I, that's why I'm surprised you have it such a low score because I think it might actually be you know, relatively high scoring because of them like pulling out all the stops. But uh, yeah, I hate Georgia and I wish they lose every game, but I'm a realist and I'm, I'm aware of their talent. So I'm not going to like, you know, completely not overlook that, but uh, I still am trying to be a realist with this game and realize 
where this is coming from. And I'm not being an SEC honk here. Like I could be and be like, oh, SEC, but you know what? I'm being a realist here. I think Clemson's the better coach team, which like what you said, which I think that's the important thing with these close games. Like if the talent is close, the better coach team is usually the one that ends up winning. All right. So uh, last one of the day of Saturday's games, LSU versus UCLA. I'm going to this game. Hey, if you are listening to this, you know, you are a UCLA or LSU fan, come find me. I will have a white tent with the hater radio banner with swag. I'll hand out some t-shirts. I'll hand out some footballs, some uh, stickers, anything you want. You can talk to me about ball. We'll talk about stuff. I'll be there at least an hour or two before the game. Come talk to me. I might even go to the game. Just depends how I feel. But as of right now, I will be at this game. Ian, what are your thoughts of this LSU-UCLA game? Yeah, I think um, this is uh, a real bounce-back opportunity for LSU. Um, and I think this will be a good uh, test for them. Um, I still don't think they're at that 2019, you know, God level. Um, but I think – you know, they're at a good enough point uh, to do it. And UCLA did a very, um, is a very good team. I think this is a good test for them. Um, but uh, I still think, especially with the defense and how good the secondary has been, uh, it's going to be too much of a problem for UCLA um, to just run the ball uh, with uh, Trevin Tra- um over and over again. I think LSU wins this one. Um, not by a lot, but I think they can run, you know, have enough to in the ga- gas tank to win it. I'll go with a 34 uh, to 22 victory Tigers. Uh, say it again real quick. Uh, 34, 22 uh, Tigers. By you, Bengals. 22. You know, I, you know, I, I would have been a huge fan of, uh, you know, of Chip Kelly being the hire at Florida if it would have happened, but it didn't. The last couple of years have been a real struggle for UCLA, but last year was a difference and a turning point. They seem to get over, uh, get through games uh, with less errors and be more of that team that attacked and, uh, you know, with their quarterback play of Dorian Thompson Robinson, who has been remarkably well over his career. Um, and then Charbonneau, the kid is a stud. Um, I really think the team is going to be able to put um, a lot of points up this year. And I like their chances against uh, LSU and I'm calling for the upset. I'm calling for, UCLA 31, LSU 24. So I'm calling for the upset there. So it's, I know I only called for like one or two upsets. I think Louisiana and UCLA are the only ones I called for, but those are the ones I'm calling for. And Houston. Penn State was my only one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Last two games, Notre Dame going up against FSU. We don't have to talk too much about this one because FSU is so terrible. And I already pretty much know what what you're going to say on this one. Yeah. um, You know, Insert Tennessee comment. Just we pace four states instead. Uh, they're they're going through. You know they're rebuilding. I I still think uh, Norville is the right guy, but you know it's, you got to you know you got to you know rebuild obviously. Um, and obviously Notre Dame isn't probably the best one to start with. 
Um, but that's the card they've, they've been dealt with. Um, Notre Dame, you know, still solid team. I don't, you know, not maybe not national championship category, um, but I have Notre Dame winning this one. Um, I'll go with a 38 to 16 victory. Yeah, I'm not far off from that. I got 45-19. Florida State really sucks. And all you Florida State fans that will listen to this, because I have plenty of friends that are college football fans. I'm not a dick as in like, you know, uh, you know, whatever. I hate this team because I do hate Florida State. And yes, I am an alumni of the school because I went there because I was dating a girl that happened to go there. And so I moved in with her. And so I am a Florida State alumni. But I'm in a dick in the sense that your team sucks. And it's been, what, four years and they haven't done shit the last four years. So, you know, I don't really care about your program that much until you start showing progress. I'm not going to care. So until you get off the mat, do something. It's almost like you guys are learning what Tennessee is trying to unlearn. And so, you know, you were just stuck in the cycle of losing and you're going to be there for could be another four or five years, which that sounds terrible to say, but that's just the truth of the matter. So whatever you want, FSU fans, you know, the money is not there like it is at other schools because, uh, you know, their alumni base is not as great as like Florida's or other schools. You know, the endowment is huge at Florida. Florida State's endowment is not very good. Regardless, I have the score of Notre Dame 45-19. Notre Dame is just on a different planet than Florida state. And it's, you know, it's not even going to be close. Uh, last game, Louisville, Ole Miss, interesting game. I remember how big you were on uh, Louisville last year. Are you still high on this team, their coach, their quarterback? You had it, you had him as a potential Heisman dark horse. Yeah, I, I, I did. Um, I, I, I'm, I don't think so anymore. Louisville, at least in this one, um, Louisville is, you know, they took a step back um, last year. Um, I, I like, I still like Cunningham. Cunningham is a, you know, obvious um, dual threat uh, quarterback uh, to, uh, you know, keep games alive, kind of like in that Derek uh, Kane style. Um, he has had a lot of competition this year, um, but I still think, um, you know, they're still trying to, you know, get back to the level they have with, you know, Lamar Jackson and those uh, teams. Uh, Ole Miss, though, um, I'm kind of buying what they're selling with uh, Lane Kiffin. I kind of am kind of high on Ole Miss. I think him and Matt Coral, especially with how um, the play calling is, it is so different and dynamic that it gives defenses such a tough time. Uh that I think Ole Miss can rattle off some of these wins. So I'm high on, I've kind of switched tunes. I'm like, like with this game, it's like last season, I'd probably be high on Louisville, but with this one, I'm high on Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss will win this one. Um, I think Louisville, I think it'll be a bit of a shootout. Um, but uh, I have um, Ole Miss winning this one. Um, typical Lane Kiffin score. Let's go 45, 28. Yeah, I have it. Um, I have them in the 40s range as well. I have Ole Miss winning 49-35. I really like what uh, Kiffin has been doing. Um, you know, it's uh, it's something that like in the next like two years, 
you could see Ole Miss really competing for that SEC West title. And, uh, you know, it'll be even wilder once Texas and Oklahoma are in the mix too. So, you know, they're going to have a lot going on there. But, dude, as of right now, Kiffin has them on the right track. He seems to be – he was humbled going to FAU. So I think what he's realized is he needs to be, you know, more appreciative of what he's got. And I think he is like listening to him compared to 10 years ago, 10, 12 years ago when he was at Tennessee, Tennessee and USC, he was a different guy, man. He was so brash and arrogant. It was like, who the fuck is this guy? But <laughs> yeah. honestly, man, and he got, and he got shut think, up pretty quick, but that, that probably helped him so much because now it's like, he's been humbled and he still has that offensive mind. Cause like he killed it at Alabama. You know, he mm-hmm. really brought that program out of the dark age of just running the ball a million fucking times to now really pushing the, the ball downfield and, you know, forcing the issue. And he really was, a difference maker with those teams those couple of years he was there. I I have high hopes for this Ole Miss team. I would love to see them compete against Alabama and AM. I really think they can beat AM for sure. I don't know about Alabama this year, but I think they can really compete with uh AM, which I would love to see because I I'm just not the biggest fan of Jimbo. I don't know. They they always like overrated him at Florida State, and I just never thought so highly of him. But regardless. Ole Miss wins this one. That is the last game. Holy shit, that was a ton of games. We went through a lot. We talked about everything because we were trying to get through, you know, previewing all these teams as well and projecting out like what we think will go for the year, as well as doing a a look ahead to these games uh, coming up. But Ian, phenomenal work. We, We killed it here. So let's talk about real quick our playoff teams and then we'll call it a day. Uh, I'm gonna do mine really quick. I'm gonna think I'm gonna go off the top of my dome. Let's see. My four are going to be Clemson because they'll beat Georgia, so they'll be in the mix. Um, I'm going to say Oklahoma, and I'm going to say Alabama, and I'll probably say this is close. Now, I know I already said Oklahoma, but you know what's going to be a really a mind fuck is if they swap victories with Iowa State. Then I got Mm -hmm. Iowa State in there, and that's what I think is going to happen. I think they're going to swap losses and it's going to be because everyone's going to be like, oh, well, they like, you know, they were so well besides that. And they swap losses like you really can't like differentiate between the two teams. So I think it's going to be Iowa State, Oklahoma. I know that sounds weird, the two big 12 teams, but this is what's going to happen. Uh, Alabama and uh, Clemson. And then my dark horses, I'm going to say Georgia is going to be in the mix for it. And then probably someone weird. Um I would say Cincinnati, but you know how sometimes it's like some team that we don't even know right now? Because, like, think about last year. Did we even think about Coastal at this time last year? Well, I did, but, no, I mean, like, obviously yeah, nobody. But, I mean, it was like, you know, like, I'm saying, like, was it in the national no, mindset? No, no. No, not at all. So, I would say if there is a team, and I'm going that someone that was, you know, did quite well last year, Liberty. And I'm going to say right, Liberty yeah. as some team – that has the potential. And, you know, if they can get there, you never know what can happen. So I'm going to put Liberty on my uh, second team out. But what do you got for four teams in and two uh, just out? Is this for preseason or just like who we see at the end this of the year? This is what you could see at the end, potentially. So I would say uh, at least at the end of the year, I could 
see. I won't, I won't do this in any specific order, uh, but my four would be Alabama, um, Clemson, and here's where I, I get interesting. Penn State. Oh, come on. And North Carolina. Oh, what? I mean, I, I like North Carolina. I like that pick, but I don't like I, Penn I see State. Two ACC, I, see, I see two ACC teams, and I think Penn State. <laughs> Dude, you're crazy with Penn State, man. I, 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 don't, wait, I'm, I'm, I just think so. We'll, we'll see. Well, at the end of the year, you can okay, laugh give, at me if it doesn't work out. But give, give me your give me your two on the outside. Two on the outside. Yeah. Um, Oklahoma and yeah. Georgia. Okay, fair enough. All right, so you're we're still relatively close. It's just the really I like that North Carolina. That's an outside the box pick. Um, but that Penn State, I think that's going to come back to haunt you. It probably will, but you know, <laughs> if I had to pick a dark horse group of five. Um, I would love to say Coastal Carolina, um, but I actually have two technically, and it's technically Coastal Carolina is playing them uh, tonight. Citadel, Citadel, wow, and uh, Raging Cajuns. Um, what was the you said? You said Oklahoma as one of your outsides. Uh, I see. Yeah, yeah, Oklahoma and Georgia. Okay, got it. And then I said Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma. And I know uh, Citadel is really bad, but I, <laughs> I think there's enough improvement in the program to maybe, maybe not make a lot of noise, but you know, maybe at least in the group of five world, uh, have some uh, have some people talking. Okay, so that that's where we're at, folks. You know, this is uh, this this is Hater Radio. Me and Ian have been doing this for a couple of years. I've been doing it even before he was with us, and uh, you know, this is what we talk about. We talk about, you know, each show is going to be us talking about the games that happened. We're going over the Heisman, go over the playoff teams, and then looking ahead uh, to the games ahead. And we also talk about the national headlines and what's going on with each team and everything. So we try to break down as much as we can and give you the knowledge that we have on each team. We we watch almost every single game. Ian watches more than I do. But even if I don't watch a game, I will still watch a recap of a game so I get knowledge of what's going on. So I'm not just guessing at what these teams are doing. I actually have a full uh, video knowledge of what they're going on and seeing the highlights, at least, you know, a full highlight package, not like a ESPN one minute thing. I'm talking about like 10 minutes of the whole game. So this is who we are. We love college football. Like it says on the website, college football is life because we live this. This is our, we live and breathe the fall. Okay. We know you folks love it too. Cause you found this podcast. You found this website. You found our brand. Come see us next week. Me and Ian will be at the USF Florida game. Come see us. We will have a tent just like I'm going to have a tent at the UCLA LSU game. I'm going to have a tent at the USF Florida game. We'll have our, our banner. You'll see hater radio. We'll have t-shirts to hand out. We'll have mini footballs. We'll have uh, stickers. Come see us. Come say hello. We're going to do a live broadcast. So the, the episode won't air until um, next Saturday. So you won't hear anything during the week, but you will hear us on Twitter. So if you're going to find the show next week, it's going to be at hater underscore radio on that 
uh, Twitter handle, you'll be able to see the live broadcast when it pops up. So you have to follow us there. That's the only way I'm going to be able to do it. Then we'll also do a little compilation video. We'll have a videographer there taking video and we're going to have a, like a compilation I'll put on the website, but Ian, what are your, your handles so we can give to the crowd? Yes. Uh, my handles are at, uh, G Gator G, uh, Instagram, uh, same thing as my YouTube channel. Um, so and your Twitter, right? Cause yeah, I found my Twitter. It's not, yeah. it's not technically active yet. I, just, I need to activate it, but yeah. yes, that is also my Twitter as well. Okay. Yeah. So you can find Ian there. You can find hater radio at the, the Twitter that I said, it's also the same Instagram. It's uh, at hater underscore radio and then hater radio one at gmail.com for email. And also, haterradio.com where all the articles we put up we've put up a bunch the last couple of days all you new people ucla usc fans if you're finding our uh website because of your reading the the articles and now finding the podcast find us on the website it's haterradio.com we will be promoting stuff i might even do a preview article of what i feel about the ucla lsu game we talked about it here today but i might have some more insight that i might come up with in the next day or two so look for us it's been a great show this is the sixth year of hater radio this is going to be the best year i already guarantee it i've already seen phenomenal numbers as far as all the articles are doing and as far as the first uh intro episode we did a couple weeks ago i'm grateful for all you people all you people that want to listen and that want to talk about college football write in text us whatever respond to us we will gladly answer and talk to you we love the sport we want to uh, showcase showcase this with you um we want to grow with you we want to make this a big thing so that you know in the coming years you will be talking about hater radio with you know, like 24 seven sports or any one of those guys. And I know that's some bold statement, but I think we could do it. We just have to get the financing behind it. You know, me and Ian have the passion for this and we love doing it. So we want you, uh, we want you involved. So please go to haterradio.com, interact with me on Twitter, on Instagram and everything. Uh, that's the show. I'll see you guys next week. Ian, thank you for coming on again, as always being the co-host. Of course. And we'll we'll talk to you guys next week and we'll see you guys live in Tampa. I'll be in Florida, you motherfuckers. I'm I'm you better come out. If you are a Florida or a USF fan, I want to see your asses there. I want to see everyone that is a fan of both of those teams there and come to my goddamn tent and say hello to me because I'm not in Florida often. And so I want to <laughs> see everyone there. All right, that's it. Peace, everyone. 